check the mic and make sure it sound right, boys. Welcome to Red Storm Chasers, your new home for St. John's basketball. I'm Vincent here with Craig, Tim, and Nick. Guys, how was your weekends? Well, for me and Craig, we went to a wedding in, where is it, West Orange? Yeah, the uh, Pleasantdale Chateau. It was very fancy. Sounds fancy. It was fancy. It was good. It was a good time. You know, drinks were had. Food was eaten. Some Some dancing. Can't really confirm it or not. How about that mozz? They had a mozzarella station, Fred's mozzarella. It was warm, which sounds weird, but it was delicious. That's cool. If you like cheese. I hate cheese, so it's not that cool. I'm not a cheese man myself, so that doesn't interest me. Uh, My Saturday was not as eventful. I was studying all day Saturday because I have my finals next week, next two weeks. So really exciting times for Nick Coughlin. Well, on Sunday, you all came to my house for a parade party. It was a holiday parade in town, and we had a bunch of people over, so that was fun. Couldn't ask for a better spot. Right on the parade route. They literally walk out of the high school and turn the corner, and there it is. It is great. We finished really quick, too, which is great because... You can wrap up and get back to drinking inside. Plus, you also have the heater, so you can walk in, walk out. You know, you don't you don't get cold. A lot of times, you end up at parades, you know, freezing because you're you know sitting on a sidewalk. It's windy and that kind of stuff. This one, you gotta go inside. You gotta go to the bathroom. It's it's right there. So shout out Vincent for living right on the parade route. And there was a bunch of kiddos there, and what was good for them was uh, they were the first one on the parade route, first kids on yeah. the parade route, so all the candy was just going right <laughs> to them. It, it is nice. They all throw the candy right away because they have so much. They're like, oh, I definitely got enough for the whole route. I'll just throw it early. And then by the end, you know, they're like struggling. They're like, oh, man, I got no candy going on. Tim, I'm sure you love that. Oh, it's fantastic. My daughter had a whole bag that I have been eating for the past uh, <laughs> 24 hours. <laughs> Great. Glad we could supply that. All right, let's get into some St. John's basketball. Disappointing game against Kansas. Obviously, out in UBS Arena. It was a beautiful arena. They still need to work on a few things. I we went to we we were there early. The lines for the food were a mess. They had them all kind of lined up weirdly. Uh, I went to go to the bar. I tried to get a drink. She asked me if I wanted a double. I said yes. She then proceeded to give me two singles and said, I can't serve you a double. So I was thoroughly confused, but happy to have the two drinks anyway. And Didn't they also not give you the seltzer? Yeah. I heard they, that part yeah, of the, we had the story. A, yeah, I ordered a vodka and club soda, and I got one shot of vodka with a splash of seltzer, and then I got a cup that was just a shot of vodka. And I was like, can I get seltzer? They said, oh, no, I'm sorry, I can't give you any more. And it was it was so they they gotta work on some stuff. Uh, beautiful arena though, uh, very pretty, very pleasing aesthetically, very bright. Yeah, it was a very bright, very bright and very like uh, like defined. I would say like yeah, color, very definitive colors and very bold. I think it's the color of their court. It's a very like light colored court, and it really pops with the scoreboard lights projecting on it. You can tell it's a hockey arena because. Yeah. They didn't do a great job of seats in on the floor. At Seton Hall, it's also a hockey arena. It's where the Devils play. It's a made-for-hockey arena. They have full bleachers that come down to the court, though, whereas here at UBS, they, they stopped where the normal hockey seats stopped, and then they brought, like, stanchions for seats, but they only brought, like, two with, like, five rows. So it really looked a little empty behind, which... I think caused problems for shooting at first for both teams because uh, it was a bit of a sloppy start. And, you know, I think overall, a nice arena. I think they said we're going to be playing a game there a year, right, going forward. I think we're going to try to play a I game think that's, I think that's part of the a plan. Year. I mean, it was, it was St. John's decked out. It was all red. It yeah. had the logo everywhere. It felt like a home game. Big crowd, too. Yeah, though. good good red crowd, too. I was, yeah, I was going to say, St. John's. me and Tim were not there, um, but we watched it on tv but how, how was the crowd was it it was, was loud. It, it sounded loud it was loud and big the whole lower bowl area was sold out as far as i could tell yeah and they, there were a few seats upstairs yeah there's a few seats upstairs that they had like a like you know how they have the upstairs they usually have that couple of tiers that not a couple of tiers a couple of rows down like five ten rows maybe mm-hmm. and then they had above that but they they curtained it off like they do sometimes at the prudential center and yeah. sometimes at msg um but yeah but it was yeah the crowd was pretty good it was a good St. John's crowd. The crowd was loud. They were ready for a good game, and 
Unfortunately, we were disappointed. 95-75 to 75 lost against the number eight team in the country at the time, Kansas. Not a lot of positive takeaways here, but, you know, it, we weren't expected to win. It was a game you were going into hoping for an upset, and it didn't come to fruition. We're a young team who's still putting together our chemistry. Mike Anderson alluded to that after the game, that this is a team that's still becoming a team. And I think that showed a lot against Kansas, a team who was able to really attack our weaknesses. Leading the way for Kansas was Christian Braun. Leading the way for St. John's was Julian Champagne with 24 points. Christian Braun had 31. He led all scorers. Guys, give us a kind of takeaway from the game. Try to say, keep a positive note before we get into why we think we kind of fell apart. So I, I, I think the positive takeaways from this is actually – uh, Dylan Adewusu, who had one of his best games as a member of the Red Storm. Um, and, and we'll talk about it later at Fordham, too. But he this week, he's really done a – he stepped up and, and played really well. Uh, the three returners were good. I mean, Posh, uh, Julian, and, and and Dylan were all really good. They they played well. They just had no other support, unfortunately. And, it, you know, it maybe it was the transfers getting used to it, and those three guys are obviously used to playing together. Uh, but but Dewu so really uh, he did a good job he, he did 16 points from him off the bench he actually beat Mathis Smith and Soriano who all started actually combined he scored more than them besides him the only besides those players the only scorers were Omar Stanley and Aaron Wheeler everybody else who played didn't score any points Tim what's your takeaway I mean for this game it's the problem of the getting uh, too streaky. We, we keep allowing a couple minutes to go by, no scoring, letting them score. And every time we tried to bring it close, same thing would happen. We brought it down to six, we bring it down to three. Doesn't matter because they go back up by 16. Now, these are things that should change once we get into the Big E schedule, once we get a little more time in. Because it is a, still technically a fresh team. But. We were just waiting at this point for them to fully click in to cancel out these huge five, six, seven-minute droughts that are just killing our progress in these big games. Yeah, the second half in particular, St. John's, we scored a free throw to cut it to three at the 10:34 mark. We actually didn't score another point until the 5:40 mark where Dylan Adewusu made a free throw. We didn't score another field goal, though until Julian Champagne hit a three-pointer with 3.13 to go, at which point Kansas had already scored 22 points in that gap of time. So that you're talking about a 22 to what ended up being a four-run in seven minutes. That's really impossible to overcome. Nick, what was your takeaway from the game? I would say my point of this game is not, not positive or negative. It's just something to remember. Kansas is really like the number three team in the country. They're one of the best teams in the country. Yeah, we weren't supposed to lose by 20, and we didn't look pretty losing by 20 at all by any stretch of the imagination. But they're like the number three team in the country. And we're still a young team. We haven't played a lot together. We had a very weak non-conference schedule other than Indiana. We were trying to mesh, and this was by far the biggest test We'll have probably all season, maybe other than Villanova, at Villanova. Uh, yeah, that's that's my takeaway from this. That's fair. This this Kansas team lost to Dayton the week before in a neutral site game. They had a bad game, right? So that knocked them down the ranking. So they came in at an eight instead of three, which is where they were previously. And, yeah, so we, we thought, hey, this they lost, lost to Dayton, who presses a lot. We thought maybe we could catch them sleeping. They certainly weren't sleeping. They came in strong, and well, they dominated the game. I think also, like we said last week, a team like Kansas that doesn't lose in the non-conference early on to unranked opponents, when it happened the week before, that doesn't generally happen to them two times in a row. They don't get caught. You know, there were things against Dayton that they cleaned up in the interim, so then by the time we played them, they were at full strength. They weren't, they weren't overlooking their problems because Dayton exposed them. So then they fixed it, and now they're playing us. And unfortunately, we got on the you know the bad timing of that. Um, and, and like you said, Nick, um, it was our biggest test yet. 
uh, we're still, and like you said, Tim, we're still, you know, meshing together and we're still working at, at getting comfortable with each other. Um, so, you know, it, look, they're a good team. And while it was a game that the fan base rapidly wanted to win, I mean, I think we can look on Twitter and we look on Instagram and people were obviously really wanted. I, we, I really wanted it. We wanted it. Um, we were down three with 11 minutes. Yeah, I mean, I know. I, for sure. I mean, look, and that's, that's the stuff that drives you crazy a little bit. Because you're like, if we just, you know, we just got there. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's a missed opportunity, but it's not a big problem. In terms of our profile going forward, this is not going to be the reason we we don't make the tournament if we don't make the tournament, right? This this is not going to be that game. It's a missed opportunity, but again... Yeah, you're playing with house money in this game. I mean, it's 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 not really a home game. I wonder how they'll count it towards the net ranking because... It's It'll just tec- be neutral. I don't know if it will, though. Technically, we gave up a home game. We had home... Usually when you have... I mean, our Ma- our Madison Square Garden games are not neutral site games. They're home games. On ESPN, they count as a home game. Really? Right now, I'm looking at... That wouldn't surprise me, actually. Branded and everything like it. In yeah, the I mean, we had students... St. John's on the court. Typically, when there's student tickets, they count that as a home game. I know sometimes you'll see where teams will fly across the country and play, like Florida will play a game in Jacksonville that is technically a neutral site game. But I think this one, because we had the branding and the tickets, I think it's going to count as a home game for us. Overall, even though it was a 20-point blowout, we did okay in terms of the turnovers, which is something we've been obviously emphasizing all year. 13 turnovers for Kansas. They had a plus-three margin coming in, and – they held pretty true to that. We ended up with 17 turnovers, so a little more plus four in the terms of the turnover margin for this game. Right on the nose, though, for them, it's going to be hard to overcome those numbers against a really good team, and I think that showed. But 13 turnovers is not anything to you know, negatively look at, I think. It's below our average, for sure, but we were averaging 19 coming into the game, which is extraordinarily high. But we'll take it away as a sort of positive. We were able to get 13 turnovers Hopefully we can use that going forward to continue our defensive press. Defense in this game was an issue. We looked bad on defense early. We looked bad on defense late. And we really couldn't overcome those struggles. And that's why we ended up losing by 20 points, which sounds kind of silly, but it's true to, true to the fact. Can we go back to our turnovers, though? Yeah. So we turned the ball over too much. I mean, it's been an issue with – I know, look, the 13 turnovers that we created from them is okay. But the problem for us is our game is turnover. So getting them one over the average, the team that doesn't press them would normally get – it's really not a good performance, I think, in our end. And I think we've seen with this team throughout all the games, turnovers has consistently been an issue. Um, it's something that needs to get cleaned up. And, it's, I, you know, the, the team knows it. I mean I, – I, They've been working on it and trying to whatever, but like some of it, we just we have to get be less care less careless with less careless. We need to be less careless with the ball. We need to, more careful. Yeah, less careless is more careful. That's true. A double mean, yeah, negative. What's a double negative? What's <laughs> math class, regular baby, way math class. I enjoy the double negative. Well, it is surprising that Julian and Mathis both had four turnovers. That's not yeah. what you're expecting. That's usually right around the posh Wusu numbers, or three or four. I would venture to say Julian had his worst game since he's been here, since he's been at St. John's. He had 24 points. That's that's fine because he always gets his points, but he at points in the game, he looked out of it. Now he got pulled. Mike Anderson pulled him from the game because he looked tired, and I think that that kind of showed. Yeah, I mean, he was 7 for 13 from the field, 6 of 9 from 3. He had 8 rebounds. Well, Julian Champagny's worst game is still extraordinarily good, is my point. I mean, it's also. My point is, I think, I th- just watching him play, he looked a little tired. He looked a little out of it. And I think because of how talented Kansas was, they, you know, they wore him down a bit. He was still able to be Julian. I just think, it, I think he was. A bit, a bit struggling in the first half, which is why Mike Anderson took him out. I, I think also, I mean, look, I think you're right about the competition level. It was hard, which is also why I think you have to give more credit to the fact that he scored 24 points. He was 7 of 13. I mean, those are numbers he, a lot of guys will put up against, you know, 
put up against NJIT, but they won't necessarily put up against Kansas. The guys disappear. Julian didn't disappear. He, he played exactly the same game. He's the same guy in every game. Um, and I think, look, as a team, and this has also been a problem for us, it's the first half. I mean, we just we struggled. We get off the slow starts. We dig ourselves giant holes. And to your point, Julian, he heated up in the second half. But in the first half, he, he wasn't. He didn't. He wasn't ag- as aggressive. He wasn't looking, you know, for a shot as much. And he, he didn't insert himself into the game as much. So you're bred on that point. I don't disagree. I just I think overall you have to look at it. Said he had. I think he still had a good game. But I think the first half was certainly a problem. I mean, one bonus you gotta look at is that. Julian finally started taking the three again. He looked he looked comfortable with the three. Yeah, but three pointers is something. We we were shot two of ten in the first half from three. That's that's that twenty point number that we had those previous games. That really is a dangerous number. We we came alive in the second half, just like you're talking about. Julian yeah. Champagne came alive nine of seventeen. That's fifty two percent. Way more the number we like. Yeah, I mean, j- just talking though, since Indiana. Julian has seemed somewhat shy with the three. It's I'm not sure if he wasn't feeling it or that he knew he wanted to get other shots to create to kind of expand his game. Could have been either one. Could have been a plan with Harrison. But finally he started nailing the threes down again, which is I, I'm happy to see. I think also your point about the defense overall in general, I mean, it's true. 95 points is too many points. That's we. You have 95 points in college. You're almost you're gonna you're gonna lose a lot of the right. time. They didn't even they were only shot 33 percent from three. They didn't even kill us on three pointers. They were nine of 27. Most of those coming in the first half actually. In the second half, they were just three of 11 from three. They're not a big three point scoring team, and they were able to beat us without it. They took 15 more shots than we did. Yeah, and that has to do yeah. with the 17 turnovers that we had, which is a problem. Right. Turnovers and missed opportunities is the story rebounds. of this game. Rebounds. Yeah. And we got out-rebounded big well, time. Joel Soriano. Yeah, the, yeah, Soriano got taken out. Evan, uh, what do you have, two fouls in the first four minutes of the game? And they took him out for the whole half. And then after that, I mean, the, the what's his name? I forget their center's McCormick. name. McCormick. No, yeah, yeah, McCormick. McCormick just, I mean, they didn't run the offense through him anymore, but they, they – Yeah, they, he scored 15 points, 13 rebounds. Yeah. So he was left alone. I mean, you know – Nywe and Omar Stanley and Aaron Wheeler tried to battle with him down low, but it just it it couldn't compare. This goes back to what I was saying last week, where the the matchup of the game was Soriano versus McCormick, and it it proved to be I mean not in our favor because you know Soriano got fouled twice, took two fouls on him, and then got taken out of the game for the whole first half. But I mean because of that they they had their way with us on the interior and we couldn't stop. They did McCormick at all. Yeah, I mean they were they just dominated us on the rebounding end by eighteen. Right, it wasn't close. I mean, and the, and aside from Soriano being out a couple of times during the game, which is something I've been harping on, I sound like a broken record, so I'm probably gonna just reference it real quick after in every single episode. Hopefully not. Hopefully we just fix it. We got to box out people. There's too many times where the shot would go up and everybody would just be standing around. There was three. I saw it multiple times in the game. There's three guys standing right underneath the basket watching the ball go to the rim, hit the rim, and just watch it go into the Kansas guy's hand. Yeah, and he put it directly up in because they're Kansas. It was rough. Put it in with ease. They were, we were rough at boxing out. One moment I do want to talk about. I mentioned it before. Julian Champagne. They, Mike Anderson took him out of the game. Right when we had cut it to three, he said he looked exhausted. He needed a breather. That's when they went on that long stretch. They actually went on an 11-0 run before we went and got a free throw. That's where we struggled to score for the next seven minutes. Mike Anderson has said after the game that he doesn't think that taking Julian out there was an issue. He doesn't think it really impacted the game. What do you guys think? Well, I mean, you look at it, it obviously did. But the thing is, we can't wear Julian down to the the ground. Yeah, I, I look, it had an effect. There's no way to say it did. You take out your best player, there, there's no way there's not an effect. And when it goes on an 11-0 run right after that, it's a problem. Um, you know, look, I get if he was tired. You don't want him out there when he gets tired. That's how guys get hurt. You know, and he's not going to be effective anyway. And, and that's that's not good. We can't have him wear out. We need, he needs to play a lot of minutes. Um, over the course of the year, maybe call timeout, 
maybe you give him a breather, maybe you don't take him out, or maybe you you know try to play where he's he's out real quick. He you know he takes a playoff. You call timeout. You drag it out a little bit. So you give him a little bit of a breather, opposed to taking him out for a few minutes. Now he's at least still kind of in the game. You don't let them. You don't let the the train get out of the station so far. Um, I mean, eleven zero run. Once we cut it to three, they get it back up to fourteen, under ten minutes to go. The odds of us coming back at that point were pretty low. Yeah, that's fair. But like, we can't put this all on Julian. Yeah, he came out. Yes, is it? I'm or I'm sorry. We don't need to put it entirely on Coach Anderson taking right, it out say, Julian. It's not on Julian. Yeah, it's yeah. not his fault. We, we, he's the he's our one of our he's one of our, our two best players on the team. You can make the argument for Posh, absolutely, and no, for sure. And but uh, he, our team didn't perform without him. Yes, there's still four other. I mean, four other players when he's on the court, and five and there's five when he's not on the court, and there's you know at least five or six guys ready to go on the bench. Yeah, no, you're right. I mean, look, th- when he comes out, we need guys to step up. It, it just can't be the three of them, including a Day Wusu. It can't be the three of them every game. We're, we're not gonna get very far. Yeah. If, so if every time Julian comes out of the game, we're sh- we're gonna give up 11-0 runs. We're not gonna win a lot of games in general. No, you're right. That's so true. I I tell you that I know. It's a weird quote from Mike Anderson saying that he didn't have an impact. It clearly it did. You can't say it didn't. However, the the length of the impact or the the amount of the impact it had, I think, is up for questions. And I think maybe it's a learning moment. Maybe we look at it and say, okay, this is what happened without Julian. Guys, this is what we have to do instead when Julian's not in the game. Let's move on to the quick turnaround on Sunday where we took on Fordham, much more of what we expected. 83-69 to victory against the Fordham Rams at Karnaseka Arena. Leading the way for St. John's was Posh Alexander with 23 points. Leading the way for the Fordham Rams was Chuba Omas, 20 points from him. This is a game we expected to win, and we came out and we performed how we should have. We played a little angry at the beginning. We were, we were much more aggressive. We, we, you know, look, we played like we were, we lost on Friday and we were mad about it and we weren't going to let it happen again. We definitely, look, uh, Coach Anderson also took, changed up the starting lineup, uh, shake it up a little bit because we have had slow starts and I think it, it definitely worked. So we came out, starting lineup against Fordham was Posh, Julian, Mathis, Ade Wusu, and Naiwi. Different start. Naiwi had not gotten a start before. Played 25 minutes, had a great game. Seven points, eight rebounds, 11 assists for a day. Wusu, another great game for him. He had a double-double the hard way, 11 points, 11 assists. This was a game where our team looked really like a team. I mean, you, we got the help from the players who didn't get, give the help necessarily in Kansas. I know a day Wusu had a great game, but he played really well here again. Nywe made advantage of getting the start. And Mathis, Champagne, and Posh all handled their business. 23, 16, and 16. Posh with the 23. Those are great numbers from our starters. Our bench was a little weak, though. We, we didn't have a lot of help off the bench. In the end, shot 55%, 33 from three, 62 from the three throw line. All good numbers amounting to our wins. Turnovers, we turned the ball over 15 times. We turned the ball over... 15 times against Fordham. We cannot do that. The turnovers, again, look, it didn't hurt us here because, again, we're the better team. We turned them over 18 times. And we turned them over. But, again, the turnovers, it's a constant problem. Uh, I mean, big thing I want to say off of your point is, so with a day Wusu having another great game, I think it's, you know, it's a a big deal. If he can be that third guy for us consistently, now that he is a guy that's back uh, for his second year and he's more comfortable and after the ankle seriously – clearly seems to be healed up um he if he can be that guy for us that'd be huge and the 11 assists i the really the thing that really impressed me a lot because not only was he just driving and getting in the lane which he has done and shooting better from three but he's also making assists he's made some really good passes he's a great he's actually so good at transition passes some of them are just spectacular he just finds guys running free down the court um and something he's good at and i just think it was a great game by him um and it's something we needed one thing you started noticing was Wusu had been having high turnover games. Uh, not for the Kansas game, but the couple before that, 
he's getting around three, four, five turnovers. And after the games, you would see Van Macon usually jump out there with him, talk to him, do a little breakdown. Like, here's a spot where you did a little too much, you dribbled an extra spot, turnover happened, you should have passed out. This was the game where it looked like everything started clicking for his passing and taking stop, pretty much stopping himself from taking those extra dribbles that were causing those turnovers in the first place. Yeah, it was nice to see him put it together in back-to-back games. Really well against Kansas, really well against Fordham. Hopefully spinning the wheels, keeping that going. We did do much better on defense. We held Fordham 37% from the field, 31% from three. Those were good numbers for us. Big so, piece of that was, was Nywe, I think. Yeah. So with Nywe, the one thing we did notice was he did the thing that Nick loves, and it's boxing out. Also, with him getting the start, him playing minutes like he was playing like Marvin Clark time back then, Soriano had an eight-minute game really, really short for him. Came out with six rebounds. Maybe it's laying a little fire under him, a little competition, making sure he doesn't make the small mistakes to let those balls shoot out. We did a great job rebounding this game, and I hope this is a future uh, lineup that we might use a little more. 37-29, to 29, we out-rebound the Rams. They must be listening to our podcast. They must be listening to us. Also, yeah. Nywe gave us a huge element of blocks, which we haven't had this year. Um, he had three blocks in the game. He affected a lot more than that just by being in the lane and guys having to try to shoot over him, changing their shot. He was a big presence. He made it. He made a big impact in the game against Fordham, and that's something for us going forward could be very valuable. Yeah. And him, yeah no, no, go ahead. Peter. Him and Omar Stanley. I mean, Omar Stanley didn't get a lot of playing time, but historically throughout this year, Omar Stanley and him have always tried to, to like ball hawk and always tried to get the the block rather than getting the box out sometimes but this game they didn't do that <laughs> thank god well, 52 points in the paint he also got it done on offense yeah I mean, seven, this, seven that's the most points, points we've scored in the paint this year great to see from nywe also His another three. guy would shot three he did shoot a three it was actually a nice shot too he had mid-range where it was way too direct and just it looked like a, a minute bull shot <laughs> But uh, his three looked amazing. It did. It was, I'm it sure was nice. we don't want him shooting wild all the time. Let's, let's hope he goes one for one for the season. Okay, 100. percent The other, the one guy, the other ground guy, I just want to say is Montez Mathis, who had another good game. He's been a he's been a solid for 16 points. He had a really good game as well. Shout out to Tim. You you beat the Ram. Congratulations. It was a great win, and I also won in the court. Restraining order against the form ram <laughs> all right 83 to 69 st john's victory over fordham wrapping up a half half week lost to kansas beat fordham heading into more non-conference play before we get into our games for this week we've got a special guest with us kyle cuff senior joining us on the podcast so let's get to the interview so how you doing kyle how's uh what's going on how's life life's good man you know i'm i'm uh, i'm a father of four married you know, it's, it's, it's a lot quieter now than it was back 20 years ago. So, <laughs> so it's a little bit more more simple. Now my son is in college, so, you know, it's different. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. I mean, exciting. I know uh, you, were, you were at the Kansas game for sure. Yes. Uh, On Friday, turned out, yeah. turned out well for you. We were there too. Yes, Not yes. so hot, well for us, but it's all right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know what? It was well. It was well. Um, it was good and bad. You know, I saw some some positive things from St. John's um, during the game, which is normal St. John's, like, as far as the grittiness, right? Yeah. They, they always yeah. come to compete. Um, just missing some pieces, but nevertheless, I, I, I think um, Coach Anderson, he's on to something as far as, you know, getting the guys to come out there and compete and kind of getting guys to want to stay home too. So um, those are all positive things to take from it. Yeah, Coach Anderson, uh, Van Macon have just been – a great one-two combo for us. Right. Why don't you start us off? What's your favorite memory of St. John's? That's kind of a hard question you asked me. You know, I was thinking about it earlier, and I was like, I have so many great memories at St. John's. You know, um, some 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 kids can sit there and they can say, hey, you know, they had a hard time in college, you know, whether it be from not having enough to get food or, 
or, you know, the practices. I'm like, dude, I was in college. I got to play in the Mecca in New York City. Right. <laughs> so um, I got to, I got to, you know, got to win against Duke. Uh, got to play in the NCAA tournament. Got to win an NIT championship. I mean, got to, to have long lasting friends. I mean, I have a lot of memories, so I can't really sit there and, and pick one over the other. Well, so, so you talked about it. You, so you played an NCAA tournament, you were a sophomore, right? Yeah. And then when you were a junior, you guys won the NIT. Right. Um, so which one was more exciting? You know what? Again, I mean, you, you don't play for NITs. Right. That's true. That's you know, true. <laughs> you play for um, the NCAA, um, NCAA <laughs> tournament. I mean, again, that was an experience in itself. We definitely should have gotten my junior year. I mean, we, we once we beat Duke, we won on like a 12-game winning streak, knocking – everyone out like we were we were on like a rampage but you know we weren't up to it wasn't up to us to, to actually get in so you guys I played guess. angry in the nit though you made we, up we did it. we did we <laughs> took it out we took it out on everyone um so yeah i definitely definitely on my sophomore year you know that's what you wanted to get to we didn't get it my freshman year which i thought we had the talent too we were just real young um didn't know obviously all my cook left to you know to to go to try to go to the pros and we got to study marcus hatton but if we were ever to have those two guys together, man, it would have been magical for us. That would have been, that would have been, yeah, that would have been, that would have been some teams to watch if they get all those guys at the same time. And also in, uh, I guess you got, you got, in 2003, you guys really definitely should have made it, especially that, that Duke win. Um, yeah. that, that, was, that Duke was still one of my favorite games of all time. I don't yeah, know. Awesome. <laughs> <laughs> so when you bring it up, I'm like, oh, I can, I can picture it in my head right now as, as they're talking about it. Yeah, that was major. That was a big one. So, so what made you decide to come to St. John's? Oh, you, to be honest with you, um, at first I wasn't, I didn't really have St. John's just because I'm from New York. I kind of wanted to get away from New York, but my friends, you know, Omar Cook, you know, wanted to go. I already had a friend in Anthony Glover, you know, Ron Artest, and, you know, those guys were there and just being able to be home and come to a lot of the games and feel the excitement of what was, what was brewing inside the garden. It, it kind of changes everything. So playing at Madison Square Garden has to be incredible. Did, you know, playing at Alumni Hall, much smaller gym, but can be a bit more exciting. You know, which one did you kind of enjoy more and which one did you feel more at home in? In the garden, I mean, I, I would say Alumni Hall, or Karnasecker, they call it now. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's not what it is now. Like, I think now it's more homely, for, mm -hmm. for, for the St. John's guys, but the garden was our home. Like we had of all ages selling out the garden, whether we played the weakest team or the best team, it was pretty much a packed house. Um, the home games that we, when we were at, when we were in school at Karnaseka, it wasn't really packed. It seemed like a lot of people didn't really care for those games, mm -hmm. but um, the garden, it was, that was us. Like the bright lights, <laughs> That that was right. Us. So speaking a little bit of being a commuter school, yeah, it, it, yeah. When I got there, it was it was probably about uh three dorms. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah, and then it's a lot more now. Oh yeah. I went I went there in uh yeah. from fourteen to eighteen. Yeah. Um, so now there's a whole bunch more. It's probably like eight now, right? Eight nine. Uh yeah. Uh, there's like nine. Yeah. There's townhouses too, right? Right. Off, uh, townhouses, and we stayed in yeah. the apartment, so I didn't even have the the luxury of having that experience of living on on, on campus. You know, my, my wife did, which was my girlfriend at the time, but mm -hmm. she lived there. So I, I'll come there and, you know, chill with her. But yeah. I didn't really have the experience of just, you know, being a student on campus because it was more of a commuter school. So kind of in that mode, obviously, I'm sure there were things that you couldn't tell the coach at the time, things you and the other players were getting into, but maybe some stories you can tell now or a story you can tell now that was one of, you know, kind of a, a cool New York City specific type night that could be only a St. John's thing? I mean, to be honest, I don't think it's nothing that we couldn't have told our coaches. We had that open dialogue. All right. Um, yeah, it was pretty, pretty much was open, but I do recall, you know, a time we got to hang out with a special label, um, Rockefeller Records. Ah. All right. <laughs> you know, they kind of, wow. you know, took us under their wing and showed us a good time in the nice. bright lights of how New York City is really supposed to be 
treating <laughs> right. treating players. So yeah, it was a good it was a good time. I can say that now. We're we're past <laughs> yeah. the statue of limitations. Right? <laughs> That's it. Exactly. You're good. Now. You're in the well, now you could get a uh, NIL deal with Rockefeller. So. Oh, all right, all right. Yeah. That's, that, that's that's amazing, right? That yeah. is. Yeah, that's amazing. I've actually there. been, you know, talking and working on some things for my son now. So it's it's crazy. Now he can get you know paid for camps and clinics and just showing up and it's it, it's it's crazy. I mean, it's it's great, right? I mean, I, I don't know. What are your thoughts on it? But I think personally, like, it's good. Players need to get paid to play. They're they're doing a service. Um. Yes. 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 And no. Right. So I'm. I'm. I can see it from 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 kind of from both. You know, I always try to put myself in in both people's shoes. Right. Mm-hmm. I don't think the players should be millionaires, but Fair they point. should definitely make some money and and not necessarily have. I would say the money all in accessible. Maybe put into like a trust with incentives. You know, like you know, you graduate. Here's money or give these guys an opportunity to continue education after school. You know, they might, they might want to you know, get their master's or their doctorate. I think there is enough money there for these guys to be able to, you know, pretty much write their own destiny. I think that's, that's a great point. I think that's a really good point. I think also like you talked about your son doing like camps and stuff like that. I think that's per Like that's, that's actually like the ideal thing for an IL thing, right? If they can, they should be able to like if they're going to work at a camp, you know, that makes sense. They, you know, that, that makes perfect sense. But I know what you're saying. You don't want, you know, these million dollar deals. And then, cause then it gets, it's crazy, you know, who's coming in and what school and right. that kind of stuff. So. Right. And, and, then, and then it's not even like what they're getting taught. Like, I feel like even in high school, it, it, it goes a step further, right? Just children in general, students in general should learn finances at an early age. You know, right. you, you kind of get this money when you get, a so-called adult when you're 18 you're not really an adult yeah legally you're you're an adult but you can't buy liquor at 18 yeah. <laughs> you understand what i'm saying like yeah. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. you're so like sort like, of an adult <laughs> right so it's like you know all of that is it's all about maturity right and and we all know there's some 40 year olds that are not mature as well right so right. i feel like if you're, you're teaching these 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 uh future owners or student athletes that's the key right there making sure that these guys are aware of what's going on with the finance make sure they have no smart sharp people around them just to educate them and make sure they're not getting taken advantage of so what were some of the differences you saw between your kind of recruiting and your son's recruiting obviously two very different times yeah um very a, a lot a lot of similarities not so much have changed, right? Um, I, I would honestly sit there and say, uh, what what it is now, I would say is, if there is a difference, the baby in this, like I would say, like my era was more like cutthroat. I think now the coaches don't want to hurt a lot of the players feeling because they feel like they go somewhere else. But it's like your record and your resume speaks for itself. And it's like, if you want to be a part of greatness, it, you're going to be a part of greatness, you know? So I, I, I take the, I take an example out of like, say the blue blood schools, right? Mm-hmm. Then you know what you're getting when you're going to a, a North Carolina, a Kansas, mm-hmm. you know, a Duke, they don't have to baby. You. Right. Yeah. They don't have to really recruit you. You, you know, much. you know, you know what it is like that you're going to, you're going to get into. Right. So um, yeah, that's pretty much that's pretty much the difference that I that I'm noticing with a lot of the, the coaches. The coaches, yeah, like they can challenge you more, right? They can say, yeah. you know, you're you're good. We need you. We want you here, but like these are things you got to work on. These are you know these are right. your, your your which is is good. I mean, that's that's very helpful. That's what you want, right? You want right. you want to be your best version of yourself. So that right. is that is definitely useful. Right. Yeah, you don't want a coach telling you, oh yeah, we're gonna get you in 32 minutes a game, but you have got another point guard that's calling against you. You actually got to fight for those minutes. And that was part of the reason why I came to St. John's, right? At the time when I was being recruited, it wasn't nothing given to me, right? It wasn't like, okay, Kyle, you come here, you're going to play 30 minutes a game. It was like, hey, look, if you come here, you compete, you got some guys in front of you, but you know what? When the ball rolls out, we're going to put the best five on the floor. And that's what it was. You know, by the time I got there, I competed. Next thing you know, I'm starting first game of the season as a freshman against Kentucky. So it's, 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 it's different. I had no business in starting because I came there to play a power forward, 
but you know Anthony Glover was there and we had two other big guys that were there but they we competed and next thing you know I'm starting at, at center so you, you you know it's all about you know the work that you put in and, and knowing that hey is if it's going to be it's not a you or me it's going to be me that's right <laughs> that's, yeah. that's right you always want a guy who's going to fight for it rather than somebody Absolutely. who wants to give it to him Absolutely. so so speaking a little bit about fighting for it who's the toughest player you ever played against in college You know what? Troy Murphy. That's a bad boy. At least he was when he was at Notre Dame. That was yeah. a bad boy. It, it, it wasn't, it was like he wasn't really athletic, but he 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 had, always was in the right position. He could shoot it. He could put it on the floor a little bit. Yeah, Troy Murphy. I'm New Jersey, so I'll take it. Always good to yeah. hear another New Jersey guy gets the yeah. credit. <laughs> um, so you talked about the Duke game. I, I assume that's a game you'll never forget. What's another game you'll never forget from the time your time at St. John's? The Kansas game. That was big. You know, they they had a, a lot of future NBA players on that team, you know, and um, Heinrich and Drew Gooden and Collison and Kenny Gregory and, you know, Eric Chenoweth. Like, those guys were, were big time at, at for what they were doing at that time at Kansas. And then you can see where their careers ended up. In the NBA, you know, so they, they right. had pretty long lasting careers, but just, um, I mean, then I didn't care who the hell they were, but right. when you, when you, when you're looking back at it, you're like, wow, those guys really did their thing. You guys were right in that game. I mean, it was, oh, we were, we, it we was right there to the end. Points? Something like, like that. Yeah it, was, yeah, it was close. That was, yeah. You were right there. Yeah. When I, uh, I pulled up the box score for that, when I shot out that tweet and I was looking, I was just like, wow, I, you forget what talent was in that game as a whole. Yeah. And we actually were playing with three true freshmen. You know, now there's a lot of freshmen that are a little older, but we were actually really young. I don't think we had a lot of facial hairs then. <laughs> <laughs> so you talk about being friends with Omar Cook and Anthony yeah. Glover before you came to St. John's. Uh, you know, did those friendships hold throughout your years, and did they remain oh, yeah, kind of your man. best we, friends we, on the team? Absolutely. Um, there were there was a whole lot of like I think once you're on a team like that, and the way how we battle and compete, you know, we go to war every day. We got to trust each other, right? So we're definitely friends on the court, right? You can't really look to your left or look to your right and not feel comfortable, right? But um, off the court, you know, we 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 hang we hung out just like how we did when we were in school. We speak now. Like I went to the game on Friday and. You know, we were talking a lot with um, Andre Stanley and, and and some of the other players that, you know, that were at the game. Like, we on the phone a lot. Anthony Glover, Sharif Fordham, you know, um, Marcus, we all stay in contact. You know, nice. Omar, is still, uh, Omar is still playing. So, you know, when he's home and, you know, we, we reach out to each other periodically and, and Willie Shaw's in, in Phoenix. So, I mean, we, we, we pretty much stay in contact as much as we can. You know, we all are, are, are family men now and have our wives and kids that we're taking care of. But when it's time for us to kind of touch base, no, we normally do. Yeah, it's good to see that you guys, you know, have kept the friendship and that it's still going Absolutely. on. So what would you say is your all-time St. John's starting five? Like all-time, like 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 anybody, any year. Like, oh, any era? Any era. Yeah. You gotta go with Mullen. Yeah. Right. Of course. Can't can't leave Chris out of it. Um, I'm a big Felipe Lopez fan. You know, I went to yeah. I went to Rice High School, so I have to throw him in there. <laughs> Nice. Um, then we have got to throw Marcus uh, Marcus Hatton in there. He's an he's an all time guy. I'm biased for sure. For sure. <laughs> he's, he's no no offense, Kyle, but he's my favorite St. John's player ever. So. <laughs> <laughs> we got to throw him in there, man, just to see what that guy did, man. It, it was it was it was crazy. Crazy. It was crazy. Um, I, I guess I I would need uh some some bigs in there somewhere, right? Be a little size. Yeah, we're a little undersized, right? <laughs> small. Um, we got to throw Ron Artest in there, even though he's still a guard, too, but you got to throw Ron Artest. That's true. I would take Strong. Ron Artest at any position. That is true, too. He, he can play anywhere. <laughs> that is true, too. Uh, let me see. I like... See, that's where it gets a little tricky, right? You know what? Got to throw Zend I'm going to throw Zender Hamilton in. He was, I, was, I was a big fan nice. of him, too, watching, so I'm going to throw Zender in. He, is, he was there when I was a freshman. He was an assistant coach, or he was he was around the program. Yeah. I was a manager for the team for four years. Nice, uh, nice. 
Yeah, I throw Zen in there. So if, if I got well, I got more, I got more pieces, or that was just the five right there. No, that, that's, that's just five. starting five. That's that'll okay. be the, you know. Okay. If you want to give us a sick man, you can give us a six man off the bench. But well, I, I, I put myself in there. I'll come, come yeah, on. There you go. Yeah, I was waiting for. It. I was like, you got to put yourself. <laughs> I was gonna say, yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. I'd, I'd put you on the list. So <laughs> I'm glad you did. So getting into a little bit of your post St. John's career, you went right to Mexico after graduating. What was that transition like? I mean, uh, the transition wasn't too too hard, you know. Um, coming into college, you know, we the AU team that I, I was a part of, Riverside Church, we went all over and played in different countries. Um, me, as long as I have good food, I can survive anywhere. So, <laughs> there you go. That's so all that matters. Food, yeah, the food was pretty good, so I was able to, you know, and it was warm, and so I was able to adjust, you know, easily to that. You you played also played in the Czech Republic, right? Yeah, right after I left um, Mexico, I went. I came home for probably like, literally like two, three weeks, and then I was back out in Czech. So <laughs> you like that Czech was a, that was. A, I I love the scenery. I I wasn't a big fan of the food, but the the competition was good. Um, surprisingly, there were a lot of people that I knew that were out there in different on different teams. So we would get together a lot on weekends, you know, because sometimes they'd be off games or we'd go in different towns and different cities. We would all get together and hang out. So it made, it made you know, life out there a lot easier. Nice. How was your time in the D-League? The D-League was, was, was awesome. I'm, by that time I got to the D-League, I was a little bit older. I was probably about 28, 29 then. So um, I just felt like I got there too, I, I got there too late. Mm-hmm. You know, I, like I had some good games, but by that time, you know, the to really get your chance of going into the NBA, it's like they're looking for younger, right? Right. And yeah. so, so you kind of you kind of miss your you miss your mark, and there's politics involved in certain things. And even though you're out playing the person that's supposedly the starter that got there from a a, a, a team like Golden State, a center player there, or or affiliate center person there that's in your position, but you're out playing them, it doesn't really matter they're going to play because that's who needs to get the minutes right. to develop. So once you understand that, <laughs> it's like, what are yeah. you really playing for? Am I playing for a little check or should I just try <laughs> to do something else? You know? So, yeah. And they weren't, they weren't using the D league right at that time yet. They're not no, using, they they weren't using like the way they do now. No, no. Now it's a, it's a, it's a lot better now. Yeah. It's a lot what better you, now. What do you think about how the G league now offers players to come straight from uh, high school into the G league? Um, I, I like it if to what I'm hearing is they're still allowing those kids if so, things don't work out, they'll pay for them to go to college. Yeah. See, then I then I like it. So I'm not fully aware of the rules of it, but if they're still giving those kids the opportunity to to, to or money to go to college and, and, and they'll pay for it, then I think it's a good a, a good way because the NBA is not right now is not giving them the opportunity to come straight from high school. And I think, you know, if, again, if we're going with the age thing and you're an adult, you still should be able to make that decision on if you want to turn pro or not. That's true. Yeah, That's definitely I agree. True. Yeah. I mean, so, again, it's a business, but I'm pretty sure if the, if the NBA was making a lot of money off those kids coming straight from high school, they'll open the floodgates immediately. Right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's oh, true. Yeah. So, so we also know it's about money as well. It makes the world go around, for, for good yeah. or for bad. Absolutely. So what was your favorite professional memory, memory from your professional playing time? Oh, man. Uh, I had a great time in Venezuela. Um, I, I, that's when I really felt like I was probably like in the best shape professionally. Like I, I got nice and slim and chiseled, and I was able to move and do some things. So um, we're pretty, we did pretty well well out there. What was, the, nice. what was your favorite country to play in? Is between Venezuela and Indonesia. Wow. What? Well, what other? What other countries did you play in? I know you played in. So you played in Czech Republic. You played in Venezuela, Indonesia, Indonesia, Mexico. Mexico. I did like a little tour in Italy, but it was I wasn't there long. But that's pretty much the countries that I were that I was in. Got to see a lot of the world too, which is pretty cool. Yeah, I did, and you know, and, and, and my kids, you know, came as well. You know, they came for a little bit, and they went back home with my wife, but she didn't really care for it. You know, she yeah. came and she's like, oh, no, I'm going back home. But yeah. <laughs> How old were your kids at the time? Wow. I think my son was probably about, when I went to, when I was in Czech, he wasn't even two yet. 
Well, he just wow. turned two. Oh, wow. Yeah. yeah, so he just turned two, and then the older ones came. Yeah, so I would say between, like, two and eight. Yeah. Mm, that's that's a tough, uh, you know, tough range to be away and travel. Oh, no, that's extremely tough. So, so again, you know, when you're playing and you might not see the money that you really want and your family is not there, it definitely weighs in. You know, my first phone bill that I got was like $2,500. There was no, there was, that was like monthly I was averaging that. There was no Skype or no Magic Jack or nothing like that. That's true. And I'm not writing you a letter. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's like, come on, you know? Like it's, it's I'm, I'm faxing, I'm sending faxes and I'm calling, like literally I'm buying minutes every day. So yeah. you guys, you guys probably don't even really remember buying minutes, but we used to have to buy minutes. I don't, I'm certainly too young. <laughs> I remember seeing the cards when they hang up and you can get the options. Yes. Right. That yes. was <laughs> barely. So overall, did you enjoy your time abroad? Oh yeah. I mean, I think if you you love doing what you're doing, it doesn't matter. We, I could have been in a hole in a wall, and it had a, a, a net. I, I would I would have been happy. But when the responsibility of life kicks in, you your your priorities change a little bit, and 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 suddenly basketball is not the most important thing. You know those those pretty brown eyes, right. and your, your daughter coming in, and your son. You know like those things. You know it, it shapes the way how you view life now so for sure uh, but again you know i i would play basketball for free <laughs> like that's the so yeah, if yeah. you love if you love basketball you know that's the game that get you're going to play for free it's not about the money you know it's about the feeling that it brings and and even even now sometimes i'll go play a little bit and pick up and i'm like man i love it you know it's yeah. just and now <laughs> it's, it never now, goes away it never goes away no it doesn't go away and now you're not playing with the stress involved right where you're looking for money it's just you know, I'm just, it's like when you first picked it up the very first time you're just playing now yeah so mm-hmm. it kind of comes full circle again i'm sure it's fun to play with your son too you know yeah he, but look i know we, for, we, him, we, for him it's a little different right so we, we talk about it all the time right like he, he he gets frustrated like we'll play and he, he's not gonna beat me <laughs> like i'm six nine he, he's six two yeah. i'm not i'm not i'm i'm not gonna play around and and just horse shots, just the horse shots. No, I'm gonna put you on a block, and I might throw an elbow at you. <laughs> like, well, like that—that's the way I'm gonna play, right? So, and then he'll get the ball, and he'll like come out here. I'm like, no, I'm not gonna come out there. I'm 300 pounds now, so what I look right. like, you know, chasing you around the court. I'm not gonna yeah. do that. You gotta miss sometimes. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, yeah, so <laughs> sure, take all, take all the ice shots you want. Yeah. You ain't I'm, gonna, I'm gonna use my brain now. You know, I'm not, I'm not I can't. I'm not athletic anymore. So. Work smarter, not harder, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I was gonna say, which uh, foul rules you're playing with? Uh, early two thousands or now? Now I'm going back to the eighties. I'm in the paint. You get put on the ground, right. baby. Yeah. Right. No bullet, right. no foul. Absolutely. You might have to play with a mouthpiece. When you're <laughs> <laughs> so transitioning back a little bit to to your team and looking at St. John's team now. You see any player comparisons with this team or similarities? I don't see any any comparison, right? But what I do see is again the heart, right? I think that's something. I guess it could be the spirit of St. John's. I mean, I feel like all the the teams that he that that came even before and after us always competed. Like you know, you know a St. John's team. You're not gonna. We're always gonna be in the game. Mm-hmm. It's never yeah. gonna be easy, right? So I feel like they have that as well. I mean, obviously, you have the, the, the two Brooklyn kids, Posh and I believe Dylan and Wusu. Those guys are typical New York gritty guards, and uh, I, I like I like them. I think though they're they're going to be they're going to be well, as well as Champagne. I think he's a great a great guy. Just wish that um just you know brings it a little bit more. Super talented. I, I mean, yeah. I know I know his dad very well. No way. <laughs> That's right. He was, um, was he, he was at St. John's same time as yep, you, right? Yep, yeah, yep, yeah, yeah. Yep, yep. 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 So I know his dad very, very well. So it's funny that we both have kids, you know, yeah. playing at a at high level time. as well. So yeah, we talk about it right now. But like I said, um, his son is awesome. I mean, just again for that next level, just that extra, that extra um tempo, and he got, he got, he has all the skill set. So yeah, he's very um, reserved on the court. Like you know, yeah, he'll bang down a big three, and then he'll just turn back and like focus. Yep. Like he's not. Yep. But, but he like got posh, it, you know. 
yeah, yeah, he, he got it though. He's he's gonna be he's gonna be fine. Yeah, for exactly. sure. He just gets his point. He does just get his points. Also, you look up and he's like, "He got twenty four points already." <laughs> like, yeah, just happened? like just, just just like Friday, right? Yep, yeah. exactly, absolutely. Next thing you know, he got eight, eight three pointers. It's like, okay, yeah, all right, <laughs> yeah. All right. right. yeah. Right. In a game where we, St. John's didn't look particularly well, Julian Champagne still shined. So give us a little prediction. What do you think this St. John's team? We got tournament hopes in our future. We're going to be meeting with your son in the NCAA tournament. What are you, what are you looking at? <laughs> well, <laughs> if, yeah, well let's, let's start with the tournament hopes, right? I, I, definitely, I definitely believe they're, they're, they're going to be in the tournament this year. I don't, I don't see why not. They, it's still early, and you know, they're, they're still trying. They're, they're replacing a lot of players. So, yeah. so, so it's a new identity, right? That they're trying yeah. to, they're trying to get, right? And again, you know, when you're you're a star player like in, in Julian, they're they're gonna go as far as he goes, right? So, mm-hmm. as, as long as he's pushing them in practice and and, and Pasha's pushing them in practice, they're they're gonna go far. And I think they have again, they have the pieces to go far. Um, as far as me and um, my son <laughs> in in a um, tournament, it won't be this year because my son is redshirting. Right. That's right. You won't be traveling. But but I'm not even gonna lie, it would be a great story to meet in the NCAA <laughs> tournament. It would be a great story. Because it was definitely but, it was definitely a good moment watching them play against Friday and then remembering when I played them twenty years ago. Yeah. So it was, it was definitely a good memory, yes. Uh, hope, hopefully after Friday show and we don't meet you in the tournament. <laughs> you know, it didn't go so well. But but you know what though? Um it, the, the numbers would exaggerate and, and and make you feel like Kansas dominated the whole game. That wasn't really the story. You know, like game was 11 minutes it was a there two four point. It was it was the two to four points and it was like really late in the game. And then yeah. you know Dylan fouls out and you know other people, you know, get into some foul 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 outs and some missed blockout and some missed free throws and things like that. And next you know 20 points. But it wasn't really, you know, those that know, no, it wasn't really like you're right, right. 100%. right. absolutely. You know, absolutely. and yes, I'm not taking any more victories, I don't believe in that. But <laughs> if you look, if you really look at it, it wasn't really like from top from start to finish, you know, yeah. not, yeah, not it was, it was a game that got away, it was a game that right. got you know, that ran away at the end, but right, all right. Well, Kyle, thanks for joining us, it's been great, we've really loved having you on. Uh, thank you guys, man. Thank hopefully, you. we'll see fun. a game, you know, or a game or two down the line. Will do. Definitely gonna see me, see see me again. Um, you know, again, wish you guys all success and um and, and, and happiness and, and just be safe and keep doing what you're doing. Bringing bringing guys back to talk about a little bit about the history of St. John's and what they're doing now. And we'll talk soon. That's awesome. great. Thanks, Absolutely. man. Really appreciate thank it. You. Thank you. Thank you, Kyle. We appreciate it. All right. Appreciate thank you for coming on with us. We want to thank Kyle Cuff Senior for taking his time and being on our podcast. We appreciate his insight and his conversation about St. John's. Let's take a look ahead at this week. Big week. Net rankings came out for the first time. Not too happy with our ranking, though. St. John's coming in at 108th. Guys, That's I think that's an unfair ranking, although we haven't played anybody. We haven't so. beaten anybody really of any strong value that's in terms fair. of the net. We had, a, we had a weak schedule, and the two tests we had, we lost. <laughs> true. I think Very it's pretty true. fair. Good, good net rankings for the Big East, though. We got five teams in the top 50, four teams in the top 30, giving a lot of opportunities to get great wins for resumes for tournament time. That is huge for us. The, the fact that the Big East has played well in the non-conference give, will give us enough opportunities to make up the, the, the weaker non-conference schedule, and we'll have opportunities to you know make our, prove ourselves that we're a tournament team this year. All right, so our first matchup of the week comes Thursday versus Mammoth at 8.30 on FS1. Mammoth 7-1 and one coming into the game. Best win at Cincinnati. They also have a good win at St. Joe's. Craig, who is the guy to look out for in this matchup? So I'm actually going to give you two guys. Um, two guy, One of the guys is their best player. The other guy is a very strong St. John's connection. So their best player is George Pappas. He is averaging 17 points a game. You may remember him from a few years ago against Kansas. They were Monmouth was down pretty big. The kid was dribbling out from Kansas, dribbling out the score. Uh, and George Pappas, Jersey City kid, goes, runs, steals the ball, even though he's not paying attention, slams down a dunk, uh, and Kansas was none too pleased. 
Uh, I believe there were fouls. There were technicals. It was, it was a mess. And he was like, I don't care. I don't nasty, care. You nasty want... articles about him. Nasty, yeah, lots of nasty Twitter reactions. But it, you know what? I, I don't respect it. You know, play to the buzzer. If you don't – look, the kid could have dribbled away. You know, hey, to keep the ball away from him if you don't want him to dunk it. You look, you're up by – they were up like 30 points. doesn't really matter. That's called awareness. Exactly. The second kid I want to talk about is Shavar Reynolds, who you may remember. He was a, he played for Seton Hall. He's doing his grad transfer year now at Monmouth. Uh, unfortunately, uh, where you know him from, if you remember that name, is because uh, in the LJ Figueroa Seton Hall game, as we all know, when LJ Figueroa did not step out of bounds, the person who made that game winning three was Shavar Reynolds. So hopefully we get a little payback on that. Uh, th- on Thursday. Looking at the rest of the team for Mammoth, they've got two other guys who average double-digit points, Walker Miller and Marcus McClary. Guys, obviously a game you go into thinking you're win, although Mammoth comes in 41 in the net ranking, so technically higher than us, probably won't be favored. It's at Carneseca, but this is not a game to sleep on. Now, fortunately, it's a lighter week. We play Mammoth and Colgate, so shouldn't be looking ahead to anything this should be our main focus but could we trip up here could this be a game where we come in thinking yeah we got this we got this and all of a sudden we're asleep at the switch i mean i certainly hope not we can't do that especially with monmouth monmouth has a good hand right now they got some size some speed we really can't fall asleep on them and they're a solid program they have been for the last few years for sure yeah, a solid program, and it's a it's a first game of the next you know three right before the Big East. I think this is a good time to you know not not try new things, not try a lot of new things, but refine the things that we have. And you know, I think we could do that against these opponents because they're all a, a better test than we've had other than our two big tests. So far. Yeah, I mean, Mammoth. If we beat them, current in the next rank rankings as of right now, I believe that that would be two, a quad two. two win. Yeah, which yeah. would be you know that's valuable later on in the season. Yeah. We, Make sure we beat him by 15 as a thank you for giving us Nick Rutherford a couple years ago. That's right. Now, they come in averaging 13 turnover games. They're negative two in the turnover margin, typically turning opponents over only 11 times. This is a game where if we have turnover problems, we can get a look and say, okay, now it's a real issue. Because this is not a team we should struggle with turnovers or we should struggle getting turnovers. If that happens in this game, we've got real, really something to work on because that's not good. Yeah, no, I definitely think you're right, Vincent. That's definitely something. Um, look, the turnovers have been an issue. Let's see if we can clean it up on Thursday night. All right, that game, Thursday night, FS1 at 8.30. Moving ahead now, our next matchup after that is Sunday versus Colgate, also on FS1 but at noon. Colgate coming in, they're 4-5 and five this season. They play Pitt on Thursday, so we may be able to see how we fare against Pitt if we take a look at their team, their game against them. We can, you know, maybe get a sense of where we'll be at with Pitt. By the transitive property. Exactly. Nellie Cummings is their leading scorer, 16.6 points a game. Jack Ferguson, also the only other player on the team averaging above double digits. He averages 11.8. Everybody else is under 10. The biggest win on Colgate's schedule, guys, 100-85 to victory against none other than the Syracuse Orange. Just spectacular. Great victory. At the Carrier Dome. Even better. Embarrassed them. I absolutely love when anybody and everybody beats Syracuse in every sport. We should give them a standing ovation when they come in the gym. Just for beating Syracuse. Thanks for the public service. It was great. That's it. And, Anytime and we can make them sad, it's good. Well, also a little fan service for the St. John fans. We have a better NET ranking than Syracuse, so. True. True. Shove it into them. New York's team. We That's are, who we are. We have a higher net ranking than Colgate as well. Just, we just, Colgate just, comes in at 146, in case anyone is wondering. They're just lower so, down. Just they're so 4 and 5, so they're not a great team they're projected to be very high in the patriot league though and you can really see with the net rankings that even though we don't have a big win we don't have any big losses syracuse big losses they lose to colgate they lose to vcu they lose to auburn which i mean auburn's ranked 19th but you always think they're not that good 
It's all right. I hope, just hope they lose the rest of the year. If Syracuse never won another game, I'd be happy. But back to Colgate. But back to Colgate. <laughs> <laughs> now we go down to Syracuse, Sandy. Now, we don't that, now go. we're done with Syracuse. That's a dangerous road for us so to go down. We're heading in 6-2, and two, hopefully 7-2, and two following the Monmouth game into Colgate. It's not a hard test, but the next game is Pitt, right? A power conference school. So, you know, you don't want to look ahead. I don't think we will, but... This could be our last kind of cupcake game before we get into Big East play. We got Pitt it. is not a great team. They are one of the worst teams in the Power Six conferences. So, you know, it's not a, that's not a necessarily a hard game, but it's always tough to play a team like that. Then we get right into Seton Hall. So we're right into Big East play. So these two games, as Mike Anderson said, it, this is a team that's becoming a team. Well, They've got three more games to become a team before we hit Big East play, and I hope in this Colgate game we can really shine as a team. Colgate's an interesting test, though, because they're projected to finish second in the Patriot League, and last year they were in the tournament. They uh, were the 14 seed. They played Arkansas. Arkansas went on to lose to Baylor in the Elite Eight, and Baylor won the national championship. They returned a lot of players. They only had, had three seniors on that Colgate team that went to the tournament last year. I think they lost one other kid to a transfer Florida. Their best player, Nellie Cummings, had the most amount of points against Arkansas in when they played in the NCAA tournament game. So they're, they're going to be a good test, even though they're not I don't even, they're not they're four and five right now. They're not five hundred. They're a team that went to the NCAA tournament last year that returned a lot of kids. They're they're going to be a solid test. And part of the record, part of the reason why their record's four and five is because they've challenged themselves. They played some tough teams. They played some some power conference schools. So you know they don't pl- look. They play a tough schedule. That's why their record's low. But once they get into conference play, that's when they really see them start to dominate. Yeah, they played at NC State, at Cornell, at Syracuse, at Harvard. Those are all legitimate games. They beat Syracuse, which is a good win, obviously. Uh, but Cornell and Harvard, they they lost both of those games. Very odd. They played Northeastern twice. Northeastern is is not in the Patriot League with the Colgate. They're in the Colonial Athletic Association, and they started their season against Northwestern. They had a sixty-five to fifty-eight win against them, and then they played them on Friday this past Friday and lost seventy-four to sixty-nine. Was that a tournament game? No, they started their season at versus Northeastern at home. And then this past Friday, they played at Northeastern. Not really sure why that scheduling came in like that, but... They also lost to Niagara. Shout out Niagara, Sister School of St. John's. We have two other sister schools. Not two other, two sister schools. DePaul and Niagara, all Vincentian. Let's go, baby. All right, so Colgate, Sunday, FS1 at noon. Well, you know, 9 out of 10 Dennis tell us not to overlook them. <laughs> Oh, we'll leave you on that terrible dad joke. Yeah, That'll do it. Raiders. You've lost your privilege. <laughs> He's a dad. He's he a dad. You've, you've lost your privilege to talk, Tim. That's it. No he more. Mute, mute his mic. You're done. You got you got silence now. That'll do it for this episode of Red Storm Chasers. For Craig, Tim, and Nick, wait, I'm Vincent. Wait, 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 wait. What How about you Jeff? Yourself? Parental controls don't stop me. What about Jeff? Ah, uh, Jeff Goodman. On the line, we had his interview. We'll get to him next week. No time this week. I'm Vincent. Have a good week. Let's go, Johnnies. Keep chasing.